Hello and welcome to another episode of my podcast, Novel Times, where authors talk about and review books. Before we start, I'd like to wish you all a very happy and healthy new year. I'm joined today by authors Flo Parfit, Catherine M. Noor, and Jenny De Los Santos. Uh, before we start, let's do a brief introduction. Um, Flo, would go ahead. Sure. Uh, my name is Flo Parfit. I write historic fiction. I'm in kind of the middle of a series called Daughters of Evolution. It covers 100 years of American history through the eyes and actions of five generations of strong women. I, the first book is Sarah's Sacrifice, which begins at the, with the suffragette movement. And uh, the second one is Ellen Doors, which is the greatest generation covering the Great Depression through World War II and a little beyond. And then the third one, which should be out this spring, is uh, Melissa's March, which is uh, the 60s and 70s protest movement. The final book will be <laughs> out probably next year. And uh, that's still in my head. So <laughs> Catherine, how about you? All right. Um, hi, everyone. Happy New Year. I'm Catherine Noor. I am in Hawaii. Aloha. Uh, I'm an attorney here, and I am the author of the Triangles uh, Legal Mystery Series with Land Sharks, um, VO2 Max, and Freewood, and Zina West Diary. And how about you, Jenny? Hi, everyone. My name is Jenny De Los Santos. Um, I, I wrote th three books already. The first one is Falling Perfectly Without Trying is a memoir. The second book, which is coming out this summer, is called Flowers of Patience. That was done when during the pandemic. And the third one is, um, I'm writing a biography of the U.S. Congressman Mark Takai. So that should, I don't know when that is coming out, but uh, we're in the middle of editing and everything. Thank wow. you. Oh, that, those are wonderful books we can look forward to. Uh, I myself, my name is Simi Kiral. I'm an author and a physician, and I write women's fiction, and I also write some poetry. So let's start with the, the book uh, we're going to talk about today. Uh, the name of the book is called Jane Doe, and it's by Victoria Helen Stone. It's uh, the genre is mystery slash thriller. It was published August 2018. Um, it's quite a popular book. I saw uh, over four stars rating in most platforms. Okay, um, briefly go over the uh, summary. Um, this is from uh, Amazon. And I think it's also on Goodreads. A double life with a single purpose, revenge. Jane's days at a Midwest insurance company are perfectly ordinary. She blends in well, unremarkably pretty in her frill print dresses and extra efficient at her low-level job. She's just the kind of woman middle manager Stephen Hepsworth likes, meek, insecure, and willing to differ to a man. No one has any idea who Jane really is, least of all Stephen. But plain Jane is hiding something, and Stephen's up bringing out the worst in her. 
Nothing can distract Jane from going straight for his heart, allowing herself to be seduced into Stephen's bed to insinuate herself into his career and his family and to expose all his dirty secrets. It's time for Jane to dig out everything that matters to Stephen so she can take it all away just as he did to her. Okay, um, let's start with the first question. Jane, the protagonist, as it's quite obvious, takes a leave of absence from her glamorous, well-paying job in Malaysia and joins an entry-level position at a Midwest insurance company under an alias. Why does she do so? Um, Flo, can you take that? Well, yes, her uh, best friend committed suicide and she blames his, uh, her fiance, uh, Stephen, and therefore she is out, as as you mentioned, for revenge. It's just pure revenge. A sociopath that is threatened or damaged in any way is, this would be a pretty normal response. Let me get back. Uh, Catherine, what do you think? Sure. I mean, this is a really a revenge story, but what makes it extremely interesting and engaging to us is that Jane is actually a sociopath, a self-described sociopath, and she doesn't really have feelings about other people and feelings like other uh, other women or any other human. And um, so she's kind of the best person to seek revenge it, it kind of worked out well that meg had a um a sociopath friend who could actually seek revenge against steven on her behalf uh jenny hi um the uh, Jane, Jane uh, left her job in malaysia um because just for a little while because she wanted to get revenge on steven for Meg, her best friend. Uh, she was so dis- disappointed, depressed, and everything that Meg passed away. Right. Um, so, yeah, Jane is actually like the perfect person to seek revenge on Steve because she describes herself as a sociopath, someone who has no um, feelings or emotions. Or regret. So um, let's go to the next uh, discussion point. Uh, this will be for Catherine. Jane uh, gives us some details about herself, traits that made her diagnose herself as a sociopath. Uh, would you elaborate on some of them? So Jane has no empathy. She doesn't care what other think- people think. She feels little emotion and she doesn't understand emotion. She's kind of like Spock. She thinks logically. Uh, An example of this is that she eats whatever she wants and she could care less if anyone thinks she's fat. This is kind of something that most women would wish that they could feel. Um, She doesn't really um, have, she just absolutely doesn't care what anyone Thinks. And that's kind of something that I think many people would appreciate. Um, she gets a cat because she feels that cats are little sociopaths just like her. How about you, Jenny? What do you think? Um, for me, 
um, Jane mentioned that she feels separate from other people. She can't seem to love people and doesn't understand why people suffer. She wanted to be like everyone else, but is unable to. And she, she, could, uh, she feels like she couldn't feel how other people is, are feeling or show that she cared about others. And she works hard to be like other people. She's a cold side, cold inside of her. Um, Flo, what about you? Yes, I agree with what you've all said, but uh, she also has uh, described herself that way because she has through her whole lifetime had difficulty in making relationships of any kind. And she always viewed herself as being different, um, just kind of in a general way and, and just could not make connections. And when she did go out for remor uh, revenge, she did it without remorse. And she knew that. And that's how she self-diagnosed herself as a sociopath. That's right. Um, she does, um, you know, diagnose herself. Um, and I, I felt primarily that she had, uh, like, emotional blunting. She... Um, sometimes I, in my personal experience, uh, I think it's a protective uh, um, thing we kind of develop, especially when we are exposed to repeated repetitive trauma, like you may, you know, police officers and things like that. And me as a physician, because almost every day I see, uh, you know, people who are in great distress. I see death. I see um you know, um, terrible things. And uh, if I get, you know, emotional, you know, about each and every person, then I won't be able to, you know, uh, function. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, I think over, it took a while, but, you know, I think almost everybody in the medical field um, who work with very, very sick people uh, do develop some kind of emotional blunting that we don't react as someone else would, uh, as a person who is not a, in the medical field would. Um, so I think part of what she is doing is not reacting, uh, of course, but also she has no empathy. That's another thing. I cannot say that I don't have empathy. <laughs> I do. I do have empathy. I just don't. Thank you, Simi. <laughs> That's very important. A doctor without empathy is not good. <laughs> yeah, it's just that I I don't, you know, uh, flow away and, you know, like when someone dies or, you know, I just don't right. break up, <laughs> break apart. Yeah. You know, Simi, I think that um, that's, you know, a trait that people have to use in their uh, professions where where there is, you know, heartache like if you're a, um, a social worker or you know in many different fields that's the case and and I think uh, it's kind of a compartmentalization right, right. Uh, function as well mm -hmm. right and sometimes it can kind of bites back bites you <laughs> back like like you are not able to sleep like I I have trouble sleeping uh, you know, I can, I sleep in fits, you know, like an hour or two at a time. It's those are the things I suffer from, but that comes with the job, I think. 
Anyway, um, so the next question will be to Jenny. So um, in the book, there appears to be more exploration of Stephen's character than Jane's. I felt at the outset, he seems like an okay, nice guy, a son of a preacher, a good and obedient son. He's neat, polite, well-spoken, compliments Jane, even cooks for her. But he has a darker side. So what is your assessment of Stephen? As I read through the book, you know, Stephen reminded me of my ex-husband, who is a domestic hmm. violence abuser. And abuser is a person who seems polite, well-spoken, extremely reverent, very nice um, when they're around people. But when he's alone with Jane, um, as soon as Stephen gets alone, uh, Stephen orders and puts um, Jane down and become very violent, uh, like how um, abuser does to a victim. And it's really scary, you know? Because, um, and anyway, he continues to berate her and tell her she's bad for having too much men in her life. He always puts her down because of that. How about you, Flo? Well, yes, he's, he's quite a character. He, he's very controlling. He's an egotist. Everything he does is to glorify himself, whether it's the woman he has on his arm or or his career or anything. It's all about him. Even the, the type of people he chooses to be around. Um, he lives in a world that's dominated by male superiority and that's just who he is. Catherine? So I kind of disagree with the question. I think there's more of an exploration of Jane's character as coming from her first person account of her character. But I do recognize that there is an exploration of um, Stephen's character. And the fundamental part of his character is that he hates women and he worships his father. Uh, I, I believe his mother left him, which apparently caused him to spend his life using and abusing women. Uh, but I think it stems from this hate of women. Um, I felt myself that Stephen was an insecure person and he, that's why he went around, you know, um, he kind of befriended or, you know, all his uh, female friends or women he, he liked were like submissive women with certain types of physical attributes and he kind of latches onto them and exploits their vulnerabilities because he himself is not a super confident, self-assured person. I, I, I felt that. So uh, the next question is to Flo. Um, Stephen takes after his father, who's a preacher and is mentioned often in the book. Uh, what did you feel about his father? It's just kind of like father, like son. They, uh, Stephen obviously uh, worships his father and wants to emulate him in every way he can. And, and they have become like two peas in a pod. <laughs> Catherine, what do you think? So I think that, um, that Stephen's father is the epitome of hypocrisy. And he, but, you know, in a way he just, he sort of tells the congregation uh, about 
kind of negative messages about women. And it's, you know, it's kind of interesting because it seems that everyone in uh, the family, um, Stephen, his father and the stepmother are using each other. So it's this kind of using uh, kind of relationships, but they also use the con congregation, it seems to me. What do you think, Jenny? Well, to me, I, I thought that Stephen's father was really nice and a wonderful person. But at the end of the book, he messes around with Jane. So I, I was kind of confused because Stephen and the the father was just like um, the same person, you know, but they both mess around with somebody. So <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's right. Um, so the next question, um, I think it's to Catherine. Is that right? Yep. Uh, how does Jane plan to destroy Stephen? When she swoops into his life, she doesn't know yet. And she seeks to find his weakness. And she realizes through getting to know him better that it's his love for his father. And then she essentially seeks to destroy that relationship. That's really what, you know, if you, at the end, you see that really the, the most um, damaging thing that happened to Stephen was the um, destroying his father's love for him and that connection. And that, that pretty much destroyed Stephen. Um, what do you think, Jenny? I felt like Jane wanted to kill him at the beginning. Um, but then later, uh, you know, she wanted to kill him many, many times. But later, she suddenly wanted Stephen to have a bad feature and ends up at another state or whatever. Um, and then people people were upset because they were hearing what happened to all of uh, Stephen, Stephen's father, and Jane on the phone. So um, because of that, you know, the family got, um, you know, got separate and they went their own life. They went, they went to do their own life someplace else. What do you yes, I, yes, I agree pretty much with everything that was said. I, I think early on, she really thought that she would kill him. But then uh, later, she realized that she could destroy him with humiliation and everything that he holds dear, the loss of everything that he holds dear. So, yeah, that, that was her motivation. Okay. Um, was Jane's relationship with her friend an obsession? Um, Jenny, can you take that question? Um, at first, I thought um, Jane was obsessed with Meg, but then at the end, it sounded like Jane loved Meg as a couple. That's what it sounded like. So, um, so, so it was really strange how it started and when it, when it ended, and that's what I thought. Kathleen? Right. Oh, okay. Um, well, I guess I'll kind of go out of order then. Um, I don't think Jane was completely obsessed with Meg 
um, before she died because I think what happened is um, I think she would hear about what was going on in Meg's life in terms of her relationship with Stephen, and she kind of didn't really understand. And um, she didn't like step step in and and you know fly back or anything or do anything really. But after Meg died by suicide, I think that that started Jane's obsession because she was she felt that Meg was the only friend that she really had or the only real connection that was a, a bit emotional that she had, and so. She was essentially obsessed with enacting revenge of her death. Um, what do you think, Flo? Um, I think that it, to me, it seemed like an obsession. In fact, initially, I think I agree with Jenny a little bit there that I, I was wondering if this was actually a romantic relationship, but then I found out that it really wasn't. Um, because uh, Jane finds it difficult to connect with people, this was one exception. It was something that she normally wouldn't uh, find a connection that, like that. And so I think that she was obsessed with that connection and not um, uh, somehow her friend broke through with the barrier that she had set up for everybody. And um, it was her lifeline. She became her lifeline because it was something new and wonderful in her life. Yeah, I agree that I feel like Meg was the person who um, Jane really had a connection with. And once she was gone, it, it's like she kind of broke apart somehow. Um, so this is for Flo. Uh, Jane describes herself as a sociopath. Is her portrayal realistic to you? I believe behaviorally she was a sociopath. I also believe that there are probably different degrees of a sociopath. Uh, her personal connections were very different from what we would normally think of a relationship, but she was able to make a few connections on, on some level or another. So I think uh, it she was a sociopath, but not being a doctor or not being a, a psychiatrist, I'm not able to define exactly what sociopath means, but I think that basically she was. Uh, Catherine, what do you think? You know, I think that's interesting. You said that, uh, you know, you kind of pose this idea that maybe there's a spectrum of sociopaths, but I think a, a psychiatrist diagnosis would normally be um, uh, provided after hearing self-reporting by the patient, after kind of observing what was going on with the patient. But what's interesting about this book is that we look at Jane's personality from her own first-person account of her thoughts as she has them. And that's something that a psychiatrist wouldn't have if they were formulating a diagnosis. So I would think that the book um, portrayal would be a more accurate point of view of who she is it would be interesting to hear a psychiatrist diagnosis. Does yes, she have, you know, does she have antisocial personality disorder and meet the uh, DSM five criteria? Yeah, I, I will go into it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I my turn comes because you know. But one thing that I thought, and Simi, you'll probably have somebody something to say about this, is that the one thing when I looked at at that, I was wondering because she was 
she's high functioning and managing her personal responsibilities mm-hmm. in Kuala Lumpur. You know, she has a pretty high level job in condo. Um, that that made me wonder if she would actually meet all criteria of um, DM5. But then I also wondered if, because I, I thought about whether maybe there's a spectrum of this and and that she might be on the spectrum. And I also wondered maybe a narcissist or narcissistic tendencies might be included in that diagnosis. So what do you think, Jenny? Well, I kind of agree with you because Jane never saw a doctor about being sociopath. She just assumed she was. Her life as a sociopath was technically true. Maybe she had different mental illnesses. Throughout the years, I never met a sociopath. I'm always in groups that help people um, with mental illness or whatever, but I never met one. So um, especially because the last three years, I was very involved with groups that had mental illness. So I don't think being a sociopath is realistic. I don't know. Maybe it's just my opinion. In a way, I... uh... Yeah, let me, um, I'm not a psychiatrist myself, but I have uh, met a few uh, people who do um, fulfill the uh, DSM-5 criteria for um, antisocial personality disorder. So this is mostly basically a personality disorder. So really, this wouldn't be, I think, if I'm not wrong, classified as a mental illness that some, like, like which you can fix by giving medications. Uh, This is more like a personality issue. So let me go over the uh, criteria for diagnosis of uh, antisocial personality disorder, which is another another word for sociopath. So the DSM-5 criteria for the diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder or what is otherwise called sociopath, a sociopath is uh, the following. Um, okay, this pattern has to be pervasive. Uh, it's a pervasive pattern of disregard for and violation of the rights of others since age 15 years as indicated by three or more of the following. Uh, one, failure to conform to social norms concerning lawful behavior such as performing acts that are grounds for arrest. Number two, deceitfulness, repeated lying, use of aliases, or conning others for pleasure or personal profit. Number three, impulsivity or failure to plan. Number four, irritability and aggressiveness, often with physical fights or assaults. Uh, Next, uh, reckless disregard for the safety of self or others. Uh, consistent irresponsibility, failure to sustain consistent work behavior, or honor monetary obligations. And the next is lack of remorse, being indifferent to or rationalizing, having hurt, mistreated, or stolen from another person. And though someone must be 18 or older to be diagnosed with uh, ASPD, Some signs can be seen in children that may predict the condition, one of the most common being harm to animals or diagnosis of conduct um, disorder. To receive a diagnosis of any mental health disorder, you must go to a provider who is licensed and able to diagnose 
a mental health disorder, often this would be a psychiatrist. So looking at the above criteria, I feel um, I feel that she doesn't, Jane doesn't fit in, uh, is not really, um, though she self-diagnoses her, herself as a sociopath, she's not really one because she's, uh, she seems to be, uh, be able to form a plan and carry it out. She's not impulsive. She's not, you know, finding herself in situations where she could be, you know, arrested uh, she doesn't seem to be irresponsible and she's able to hold, you know, a job pretty well. So, um, so I feel she has more like a cold or, um, a personality where she does, you know, uh, has no regard for others. And she's, you know, I think we have met people like her in our lives <laughs> who are very highly functioning otherwise. So, um, that's what I felt that she you know, she doesn't really, perhaps because she's cold and has no feelings of remorse or empathy, uh, she diagnosed herself, but she doesn't necessarily fit the other criteria. I think the author tried to um, create this kind of layperson's version of a sociopath. And she even used words that are there, that are contained in the uh, DSM-5 um, like impulsive, because she when she went to buy the cat, she described the behavior as impulsive. So, I mean, even though it probably doesn't meet the criteria, I think there was an effort to meet the criteria. And um, so it's kind of, I guess we have to, uh, I guess it's more of a, um, her creative ability, uh, efforts to do that. Okay. Um, any anybody else has an opinion on the criteria and no, no. But I have um, opinion. Sure. Um, but okay. You know, I I at the beginning though there was a lot of sex and everything, and I kind of didn't like that part. But at the end, she really um talking about you know being sociopath and. She's talking about Stephen trying to get revenge and everything, so it, it was, it was pretty understandable, you know. So I, I kind of liked it, and I, I read it again the second time two weeks ago. So, and I would recommend oh. it to others to read. Oh, okay. Um. Um. Okay, I think I skipped a question. <laughs> there are a couple of questions there. Yeah. So, um, would this go to? I think this goes to Catherine. Um, how do you reconcile uh, with Jane's relationship with her deceased friend and her inability to form relationships with others? So Jane loved Meg to the extent that she understood what love was. They had been roommates in college and somehow Meg was able to break through to Jane despite Jane's mental illness. And you know, I also want to address the issue of whether Jane was a likable character um, with, with that, because um, that was a previous question. Um, and, and I think she was a likable character. She's my favorite sociopath, if you can <laughs> call her that. Um, you know, what's, I, I found it interesting because life is challenging because 
our emotions are tied in with everything that we do, including what and how much we eat, guilt over how we spend our time, and interpersonal relationship. Jane represents someone who provides us an example of someone who is divorced from those emotions. Um, we see what it might be like to take a vacation from our emotions. And so I now, Jenny, um, how do you re reconcile Jane's relationship with Meg um, and her inability to form relationships with others? And did you like Jane? Um, Jane was weird. <laughs> and then um, relationship with others was um, kind of weird too. <laughs> She, she she just didn't have a relationship except Luke. Luke was uh, she felt like she could um, care for him, you know, at the end, and she stayed with him. But um, the rest of the time, I thought um, Jane was weird, and she certainly had a mental illness, but I don't know what kind. Yeah, Flo. Yes, uh, I had to kind of laugh about uh, is she a likable character because she's a kind of a bad guy, if you will, that you root for. <laughs> I would, would I like her as a friend? Uh, probably not as deviant as she was in her, in her actions. But at the same time, as a reader, I wanted to yell at her, don't do it, when, especially when she skirted the idea of murder <laughs> so i uh, yeah i found her to be likable but in a strange sort of way i and it, as far as reconciling her um relationships with her deceased friend and uh her inability to form relationships with others she did form some relationships as jenny mentioned she had a relationship with luke she had a relationship with her cat yeah <laughs> and uh that was quite uh involved i uh, I think, uh, but she's the kind of person that uh, her cat, she has kind of a, a love for, uh, as long as the cat amuses her and entertains her. But I would bet on another day, she could discard it or even kill it. I don't believe you can reconcile behavior when it's clouded with mental illness. So it's kind of hard to do a reconciliation, I think. I agree that um, she did have certain, you know, some relationships, which... Uh you know, which she carried through that, like with her friend, with uh, Luke and her cat. <laughs> um, as far as a likable character, I did not like her. <laughs> um, in fact, I didn't like anyone in the book. Maybe Luke, maybe Luke, I liked Luke and the cat because cat was himself or, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, I felt that she was very unidimensional to me like there wasn't any depth to her character maybe I was wrong um also where things were way too easy for her you know uh I wish there were more problems like she had to face problems like you know maybe uh with the law you know like I would have liked you know it seemed way too simple and easy you know she, like everything happened very nicely for her uh, she was able to get out of uh, situations quite easily. Um, so I wish that her sociopath aspect would have been a more of a central feature than the revenge part. I Then it would have been a much more interesting book for me. 
because I would have liked her to have those situations where she is struggling, you know, uh, with her impulsiveness, with her other, you know, and this revenge part and uh, and she's dealing with this revenge thing at the same that would have been a more richer uh book for me so um that's what i felt um and anybody else uh you know i jenny did say what she felt about the uh, her opinion about the book uh I, and anybody what about you catherine and flo i found uh, it oh go ahead catherine so it's a fascinating study of revenge to me. Um, how do you seek revenge on a woman-hating guy who drove his fiance to commit suicide? Who better to enlist her? Um, who better than to enlist her sociopath best friend who will enact the most satisfying revenge possible? So. I mean, I understand what you're saying to me about the fact that she didn't really encounter any any obstacles, especially like legal obstacles. And, you know, there wasn't any any barriers um, put up. But I kind of enjoyed it in that it was a kind of a slick, really slick revenge novel. Mm -hmm. And I did I did listen to it on Audible twice. And in the last couple of days, I listened to it again. And I picked up a lot in my second listen to it in terms of this kind of personality and what was being created in this character. I have to say, I really loved the book and I've recommended it to a number of people and I uh, have, and to the, the people who appreciate her not being a real girl, they seem to like it. I personally um, found well, it. Yeah, I found it very interesting delving into the mind of a so-called sociopath, whether she was or she wasn't, at least. I, I guess I don't know a lot about the uh, inner workings of any kind of mental illness to any degree. So I just found it fascinating to find out uh, her mindset in a lot of the situations she was in. Um, I found it the kind of book that was hard to put down because she was always finding some other thing that she could do to find revenge. And I'm thinking, okay, now what is she going to do? <laughs> it's it kind of had me coming back to it quite often. So it was, it was a book that I did enjoy on the, on the basis of that. And I have recommended it to a book club. Good. So um, my opinion was that it was a revenge story and, and the sociopath characteristics were added on. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a great, you know, as Catherine said, perfect <laughs> revenge uh, story with a with a and the person who you know to carry it out. Um, uh, maybe as since I'm a physician, I see a lot of you know people <laughs> who are actually uh, so have anti-social personality. I I was a little more uh, uh, kind of uh, I had I I kind of examined the book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's a little I, more clinical, huh? It's more <laughs> clinical, you know, like because I I have that, you know, sort of the. I want to see is she really a sociopath or not? <laughs> because that's what I I unfortunately that's because you know of who I am. That's quite um, understandable. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, and sometimes you know, like if you are a lawyer or you know, you would be more. <laughs> you know, and you are reading a book on, you know, law, you would be like, hello, <laughs> you know, you'd be more deeply immersed and, you know, examining everything. 
So, yeah. Um, okay. So I think overall, we kind of like this book. Uh, may, maybe not, uh, you know, so much as uh, I would say I would recommend it. Uh, but not, you know, it's not the best book I've read on revenge or anything like that. So um, I guess overall, we recommend this book. And uh, uh, anything else? Any last words or? Uh, well, my this is Catherine. I, I have to say that I enthusiastically recommend it. It is one of, I have to say, and, and I guess we we disagree on this. This is actually one of my favorite novels I've read for a long time. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Any, I wouldn't say that. I, I at most, I gave it three stars. <laughs> um, and it, what about you, Flo? I think it depends on uh, what kinds of books you like to read and what your uh, experiences in life as to whether like, I can perfectly understand, Sammy, that you might not find this as compelling as it was to me because I don't know anything about the, the uh, personality disorders or anything like that. I mean, I'm sure I've met a lot of people that have them. I may have myself, <laughs> but I, I found it interesting in that respect. And I think that it depends on who the reader is, and, and obviously we don't all like the same books. So <laughs> that is true. That I think that's the fun part of reading because you know, right. like, um, it's so subjective. <laughs> it's you know, right. like some people. That's why I think we should not go and read reviews because I see sometimes you know I choose books. I've stopped choosing books based on reviews because I go and see, oh, this book was reviewed very highly. Let me look what it, you know, and I hate that book. And movie reviews. <laughs> and vice versa. It's like sometimes I see some bad reviews on a book and like then I go and read it, you know, and I love love it. So, um, yeah, I think it's very subjective and that's the fun part oh, of, uh, sure. you know, reading. Hope you enjoyed the episode and thank you all for joining the podcast today. Uh, Next book club will be sometime in March and we will be discussing the book Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. Thank you.